What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards, and I have a podcast about collecting sports cards. If you are listening to this on the day it drops, yes, there is an additional episode in your feed this week. That's what we're doing. We're bringing more Stacking Slabs to you, and it won't just be this week. It will be ongoing. I am partnering with my man, Nick at the War of Sports Cards, and we are taking these Thursday episodes. We are talking about consignment. We are talking about auctions that are live, cards that we think are cool, cards that are being consigned through Nick, and we're going to call this Auction Talk. We are talking about auctions. I think I've continued to think about ways that we can deliver content to you, the Stacking Slabs listener, and my man Nick and I are partnering up to do this. I had a blast doing this first episode I hope you like it. We talk a lot about cards and visuals of cards. If you want the video version of this conversation, you can check out my group, Patreon group. Link is in the show notes. And make sure if you are considering consigning your cards, do it with Nick. You'll learn the reason why he is giving out an awesome promo For you, the Stacking Slabs listener, $50 off your first consignment with him. The link is in the show notes. Excited to share this conversation with you and many more. Let's kick it over the conversation. All right, everybody. Welcome. We are diving into a new feature episode we're having uh, on a weekly basis. I alluded to the fact that we're putting out more shows on the main feed. And here you go. Here's the first one. We're going to talk about what it is. I'm going to discuss the format, but have to introduce a co-host who will be riding alongside with me, um, who is not a stranger to Stacking Slabs program. I was actually looking back. It looks like the last time um, our co-host was on was in February of 21 and March of 22. So it's been a while. But wow. get, you're going to get used to him being on um, talking cards. But without further ado, Nick from the Wharf Sports Cards, welcome, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm super excited to be back. I can't believe it's been two years since I've Me been on. Me neither. The I can't believe it. Gosh, time goes fast, man. We're getting old. But yeah, dude, I'm I'm super pumped for this. It's going to be a really fun podcast. I think people will enjoy the uh, the dialogue and, and hopefully get some value from it. For sure. So. Uh, I think like the the differentiation point here for the audience is it is an opportunity for us to create a weekly drumbeat of content around cards that are available for auction. I think one of the missing ingredients for from this platform for so long was like there's all these cards that are selling on a weekly basis through um auction sites like PWCC and like I I'm reacting to them, you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month down the road, uh, road. And that kind of gets stale. So I think on a weekly basis, we're going to just come in and we're going to talk about cards that are interesting to us. We're going to talk about cards that people are sending you to consign. And I think consignment, I talk about consolidation and consignment so much on here. And I think it will be, um, beneficial for the audience who are trying to understand like how these two things fit into collecting cards and acquiring the grails that we're after, after how it all fits in. So excited for you to 
to be here. And uh, I know we have a lot to talk about. Always, man. We we could go on forever when we talk. So we'll we'll try to keep it focused, but I'm excited. So let's start here. I want to talk about um, for anyone who doesn't know you or just maybe give a little snapshot about I feel like I met you right away when I got back in the hobby. Maybe give like people a little snapshot about your involvement in the hobby, like all the things that you've done um, over the last few years. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just kind of fast forward to when I kind of got back into it uh, permanently again, which was 2017. So I was, um, I kind of got reattracted to the hobby by the, honestly, by the monetary value of cards because it was so different than when I collected as a kid, like the stuff I collected when I was a kid, it just really wasn't worth anything back then. And I wasn't chasing the super rare stuff, but it was just, it really was just a hobby. It was just something to do for fun. Fast forward to 2017, I'm kind of like getting out of that, you know, broke post-college uh, state, have a little bit more money, um, you know, kind of kind of looking at where to put some some investments and stuff like that. And a friend kind of introduced me to like, hey, you could actually make money buying and selling cars. And I was like, huh, this is, this is insane. There's no way. So um, that kind of got me back into it, you know, kind of flipping cards on the side, uh, I was teaching and coaching high school basketball, so you know, not making the big bucks. So, so a little side money was nice. But then, you know, that that re-sparked my passion for collecting as well. So I, I quickly started collecting along the way. And then when COVID hit, uh, as teachers, we got sent home. You know, in March of twenty, I guess it was four years ago, twenty twenty, I believe. Got sent home, so I was getting paid for you know six seven months and not working at all. So kind of, you know, had a chance there to kind of go all in on the hobby and try to make a business out of it um, and quickly found some gaps in the consignment world, um, started an eBay consignment business kind of based on high quality customer service and speed. Um, something, two things that at that time were, were lacking. We have a lot of really great eBay consigners now, but at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of options, especially that could that could knock out the the quality service and uh, fast turnarounds. That was successful. Did that for two years, two and a half years. Um, had a kid along the way. Got married. Um, priorities and time kind of adjusted. Uh, wanted a little bit more free time. The consignment thing was great, but it was very very time consuming. Got an opportunity to work for PWCC. Um, still on the consignment side. So I was bringing in consignments, but not, you know, having to physically handle everything myself. Um, so I uh, did that for a year. And then in July, uh, left PWCC and, and came back and started my own thing, um, which we'll get into to what I'm doing now. But yeah, it's been been about four years and been in the consignment side of, of the business um, all four years. So I've seen a lot of really cool things, met a lot of awesome people, on really all ends of the card spectrum. I mean, every end of the spectrum you could you could imagine and everything in between. So um, that's kind of gotten me to where we are here today. So I talk about consignment a lot and why I like consignment. I want to just get into some of those benefits. And I think it'd be interesting just from your point of view as someone who is, this is like the role, one of the roles you play in the hobby one thing that I think about in just all of the cards that I've had consigned through you or through other individuals, like the, I think the most important thing for me is like just the fact that like it, it saves me time. But then I also think about just like the relationship component and how important like the trust element is. 
like when when you think about your business and you think about um you know building relationships like how important is like building and developing trust because essentially like your clients are us the collectors who are out here who are have our eyes on a card that might feel like it's a little outside of our budget but we know we have the equity in our PC and you're kind of that that middle point from like taking those cards that are in our PC that we absolutely love, but we're so obsessed with this new card. Like talk about maybe the trust component and how you think about it. The trust is huge, man. It's, it's, it's really everything. Um, you know, especially that first, first experience where it's like, you know, especially if, if we haven't really met before and you don't really know me, these are our babies, man. Like, like they really are like, they're sure they're worth money, but it's like, there's a lot of sentimental value with the cards that we own in our collection. So when you send them off to somebody, it can be scary, dude. It can be nerve wracking. And if it's your first experience, you don't know how it's going to go because you haven't experienced it yourself yet. Right. You've, you've heard everything from other people, which is probably why you went to the person you went to, but you got to experience it yourself first to really develop that trust. So for me, it's, it's all about, um, you know, being responsive, making sure people know what the, process is going to be what the experience is going to be and be like so they're prepared for it so then when stuff happens they're like okay yeah he this is what he said was going to happen and and it's happening right so that's that's trust right there right doing what you say you're going to do so that's huge man but but after that first experience people it's easy man like people like like yourself this is your what second or third consignment you sent to me recently it's just like shoot me a text Here's the tracking. I sent this many cards. That's it. And me and Brett probably won't talk about it again until they sell and I'm ready to pay them out. So it's just like, that's trust, right? I'm trying to take off all of the time you have to spend on, on selling cards and, and putting it on me and taking that off your shoulders, right? Especially the older you get, you know, you and I have, have young kids, like time, time becomes more and more valuable the older you get and the busier you get. Um, so when you can, you know, kind of outsource that and get your time back. It's, it's totally worth it. And then with, with us now with PWCC consignments, like you're getting paid more consigning through us than if you, if you did on your own. So not only are you getting that time back and you're developing a relationship with, with one person, right? Like I'm, I'm the entire Warp sports cards. It's just me. You're always going to deal with me. So you get that kind of deeper relationship with the person that's handling everything for you. And then you're going to get paid more too. So it's really, it's really a no brainer, but it's, it's all about relationships. And most of my best friends in the hobby are, they started out as clients. Like they consigned with me and then we just, our relationship got stronger. We talked about, you know, more and more things outside of cards. And those are some of my best friends. So. Yeah. I think it's, it was funny. Like this last go around sending my cards to you, obviously like I had no problem sending cards to PWCC and like having you run point on the operation because I had done it before, but I had only done it through eBay. So like, it was funny, like we had worked together, but I needed to understand from you, like the process and how it worked with a different marketplace like PWCC. And so now that I have done that, like, it's like, whether you sell your cars on cards on eBay, PWCC, or another marketplace, like there's pros and cons to everything. It's not like all all roses, but like for me, having an individual like you to be able to like prepare me and for me to understand like how everything works 
Um, I think like, I don't know, that's, I, I, that's what I value in terms of the relationship. Curious, like before we like move off of this and just keep moving forward, I'm curious, like, I don't know, I'm up here and I talk a lot about just consignment because I, I obviously want to spend my time in the hobby, like doing the things that I love. And I don't really like the, um, packaging up cards and I don't really like the back and forth and all that. And I'm an, I'm an auction guy through and through. I, I like, I like the market to tell me what the cards are worth. So I don't know when to get over that hump where you're like, okay, I'm sending my cards through someone, but they're going to take a little bit off of that. Like that's a, I think that's a hurdle for people, but once you go through it, you understand the value and the reasons why and all that it saves. Like, a lot of people come to you and they're probably curious, like what are those points just about consignment that you're kind of trying to educate on when you're having conversations or for anyone who's out here listening who has maybe thought about consignment, but hasn't made the move yet? Yeah, it's a great question. It really is, really does seem to be an evolution of, of your kind of journey in the space that the whole selling evolution, like most people want full control when they start out, right? Like they they don't have those relationships yet, or they don't have those experiences, you know, selling or selling with other people and might not even know what else, what options are out there, honestly. Um, so you kind of have to kind of go through that process to figure out what works best for you. Like, but my selling point to me, it really is the time is one for one. It's a lot of us, most of us have full-time jobs, right? This is our side thing. So we're already, you know, minimum 40 hours a week is is locked up, right? I mean, I know some of us have those those jobs where we can do some hobby stuff during the day on our computer if you're fortunate enough. Um, but, you know, outside of that, getting to the post office and all that kind of stuff, like if you're working, you know, eight to five, when are you going to the post office to ship your cards? And then you, if you have to do that every day, is that, you know, is that how you want to budget your time for the week? Um, and then, like I said, you get older, you have more responsibilities, kids, you know, marriage, all that stuff. You know, your kids get into sports like you don't have free time. So paying somebody to give you that time back, it's it's an investment, right? You might not get monetary value back. But but when you start to think as when you start to think of time as cliche as it sounds, but time as money or time as like just a valuable asset, it's easy to justify paying somebody to to give you time back. So. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, but then the PWCC experience, like once you get into it and you, you've experienced it and you understand how it works, it's really fun, man. Like it's the, the weekly auction runs 10 days and ends every Sunday. So it's like, it's an event. It's every Sunday, everybody knows that PWCC weekly auction ends. Like people are, are blocking that time off on their schedule. Um, whereas eBay, eBay has its own benefits. I don't want to knock eBay at all. I use eBay sometimes, but you could have a, a, a showcase or a special auction ending on a Tuesday, but there's still a million other auctions of random cards ending on that Tuesday. It's it's you and everybody else. Whereas PWCC, it's it's the PWCC event every Sunday. So kind of kind of getting into the um, the event of PWCC, the ex- the extended bidding experience, and then we try to make things move a little bit faster. Then if you submitted to PWCC yourself, we're, we're kind of essentially a preferred consigner. So we have some extra perks. We can get things moving quicker. We can pay you guys out more. Um, so like I said, you're actually making more money selling with us. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like I said earlier, it's kind of a no brainer when you can get your time back, you can make more money than if you submitted yourself. And then you kind of get that special event experience of the PWCC auctions. 
I, I want to do a full disclaimer here. Like in these episodes, like we, we will not be talking about my cards <laughs> I'm sending to Nick. I want to make sure that's very clear. I but, I, but I also want to make it clear that like I use Nick to sell my cards through PWCC. And I will say the last time I did it, which was the first time I couldn't believe it. Like the, in this, this is, I'm not like this, it all varies based on when people pay. But the fact that like my, the auctions ended on a Sunday night and I was paid, you know, before maybe even Friday, like it was, it was really Wednesday. Quick. Oh, was it? It was Wednesday. So yeah. like, that's, that's not, that's a, that's a hell of an expectation to be set, but that's quicker than I've ever been paid out in consignment ever before, which is, I don't sell cards because I'm like waiting for the cash to go like on vacation. I, I go sell cards so I can go buy another card or pay off a card I just bought. So that's nice. For sure, man. And yeah, like you said, it doesn't always happen that way. You're at, you're at the mercy of the buyer and when they pay, but I'm paying out like as soon as those cards are paid for, you guys are getting paid. So, I mean, I, I know how, how important speed of the, the entire process is doing this for four years. It's maybe one or two and most important things for most people. So I try to make things as quick as possible. Before we get into the cards that, and so the format of us and the cards that we're going to cover is Nick and I just had a document and we we're like, all right, let's just like put five, pick five cards up that are interesting to us that are in the PWCC weekly for this week. And then five cards that people have sent Nick to sell through PWCC. So we're going to just cover 10 cards. But before we cover those 10 cards and talk about them, I, one of the things that I definitely wanted to hit with you was this, uh, the, the no recent comps movement, which I feel like it's taking Instagram in the community by storm. So what's this philosophy? Why did you create it? You have a newsletter that you're sending out that hits inboxes every Saturday. Maybe share a little perspective on no recent cons because I, I, I feel like it's associated with your experience in selling cards uh, through consignment for so long. For sure, man. It's like I said, I've been in the consignment side of this for four years now. So I've seen a lot of different cards. Um, it, which means I've also seen a lot of the same cards over and over and over, which is, which is great. And I have respect for those cards. And I watch, I like to see those cards sell because it's, it's more kind of fluid updates on, on kind of how the market is doing, right? Which is interesting to me, um, especially in my job. So, but over time, I got more and more excited about those cards that would come in that I just hadn't seen hit the market forever. I mean, like I would get a consignment in. And, you know, it'd be a card I hadn't seen forever. And the first thing I would want to do is just find out everything I could about that card. So I'm looking up the, uh, the checklist from the set it was in trying to, trying to find out if it was a, a special or an important release, right? If it was the a first release of this set, or if it was an only release of this parallel or something like that, just find every detail I could about this card, look into the sales history and just kind of figure out why haven't I seen this card? Is it important? And then why? Right. That was the most fun I would have with consignments. I love that. Um, so then I would start to I, I noticed as we were getting into the auction house thing, we were seeing the same content over and over. It's like every auction was just recycling the same big cards over and over and the same commentary on the same cards over and over. And you could just feel that people were tired of it. Right. But nobody was nobody was doing anything about it or changing anything about it. So I said, Okay, I get excited about these type of cards that that you never see and nobody talks about. I'm just going to start talking about those. So I did, and people were getting people were loving it. They were getting excited about it, and I I wanted to attach a name to it 
and to me, it was just like these cards have no recent comps. Like, there's let's just call it that. No recent comps cards, right? Like, if people, you know, they can they can hear that hashtag and have a pretty good idea what type of card it is. So, you know, I was I was really focusing on those cards towards the end of my PWCC reign and, and putting out as much content as I could on those type of cards. And they were performing the best at auction because it was fresh for people and pe- it was something new for people to get excited about. So more people were tuning into those auctions. And usually it's usually it's sub $5,000 cards, definitely under 10,000. But I, I try to find cards that are in the you know, five to $1,500 range, because I feel like that's where most of us participate. So it's easier to get excited about checking in on those auctions because you might actually be able to afford to buy that card. But that's how it all started. And then when I left PWCC, I, I knew I wanted to to uh, pursue the no recent comps angle further. And because I wanted to to create a business that I was always passionate about again, I was starting to lose sort of that that luster a little bit, seeing the same cards over and over. So I wanted to kind of regain control of what what I was seeing on a day-to-day basis to really reignite my passion for what I was doing so I could provide a better service. And, and then writing was what I started in with this hobby. Before I was doing consignments, I just I started a website and started writing about cards. Like just whatever came to mind, whether it was, you know, the market of a card or something unique about a card, I just started writing blogs. So I wanted to get back to writing and thought a newsletter would be a good idea with the no recent comps sort of theme. So in that newsletter, every Saturday, we start with highlighting a uh, something I'm reading in the hobby. It's usually sports card related. Sometimes it's sports related and I just kind of tie it into sports cards. Just a few sentences about the what I read. I highlight a podcast that I listened to that week, always a sports card podcast. Um, I highlight an Instagram account that I'm following, usually an account that has less than a thousand followers, just with cool cards that I think people will enjoy following. Um, And then I kind of talk about something I'm just thinking about in the hobby that week. But then the 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 meat of the of the newsletter that people probably get most excited about is I feature six no recent comps cards um, that are live on auction that week, either on eBay or PWCC, and just kind of break down the uh, maybe the significance of the card the sales history or the lack of sales history and uh, you know, whatever details I think are relevant and then a link to that auction. So I love it. And this whole no recent comps uh, movement here, when I'm digging into card ladder and looking at cards and the value and how they're performing it, the correlation between values. And if something has the last time something has sold, it was something that was like on my mind, but until you start like digging in, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. So I think we, we talk a lot about just like the manufactured scarcity. We talk a lot about grades, but like, I think like being a student and understanding, like if you have a card that's valuable and you want to sell it, like making, sometimes we don't have a choice and we need to just sell it. But like, I think it's also like making sure, like if you dig into the data and seeing that the card had just sold, like, you know, three weeks ago for a lot less than you bought yours for like now might not be the best time. So that's, I'm excited as we continue these conversations to talk more about no recent comps, because I feel like it is a topic that really matters. And it's one of those things that a lot of us in these group chats are talking about, but I don't know. I haven't really heard anyone get up on a podcast to like talk about like what's really happening. So I'm hoping through this series, you and I can dig in uh, further on the topic because I think it'll help some people 
the more I've read your newsletter and then you applied it to like buying and selling cards on my own accord, like it certainly helped. For sure. And, and honestly, like since I started this, like the threshold I have right now is for it to be a no recent comps card, it can't have a public sale with, for at least the last six months. Or, you know, if a PSA 9 sold recently, but a PSA 10 comes up and a PSA 10 hasn't sold for six months, that would qualify. But it's almost sort of naturally forced, helped me and made me go into buying cards thinking like, can I hold this for at least six months? It like that's that's like the first thing I think about because it's it just raises the probability that it's gonna sell for more than I bought it for whenever I have to sell it. And that's not always the primary goal, but like it does matter, especially to me when it's you know, I'm not I'm not rolling in cash over here. So like <laughs> if I can make money when I sell my cards, that's great. I wanna do that. So and I think it's healthier for the overall market. The longer we can all hold on to our cards, that takes supply down. And if demand all demand has to do is stay the same. If supply goes down, your cards are worth more money, right? Like theoretically, it has to all work out um, in the dynamics of the market. But like, I think it's healthier for the market too. Like, I, I just think everybody wins when when we hold cards longer. If you can no, do no. it. Yeah, if you can do it. But I love that. Like asking yourself the six month question before you buy it is a really good one. And I know... I, through our partnership, like I will be sharing like different content of yours through my newsletter and through Instagram. And I would imagine like if anyone has heard anything you've said and wants to, you know, reach out and learn more, probably one, like sign up for the newsletter. And then two, like is Instagram at the work sports cards, the best place to reach you. Yeah. So I've linked to everything there on my Instagram at the work sports cards um, website. The, the newsletter, our uh, No Recent Comps online community, which is a place where you can, it's, it's essentially a big group chat, but you can also buy, sell, and trade cars there and you get extra perks for for consignment, like the highest payout rates I can possibly give um, members of that group get. get. Um, but you can also go to the warfsportscards.com um, and there's a consignment tab there if you're specifically interested in consignments. You can see our payout rates and you can actually submit right there. It's It's super simple. Um, but for, for listeners of this podcast, we're going to give $50 off, uh, of your first consignment. If you, there's, there's a, a place on the form, um, where you can enter a promo code. If you enter stacking 50, you'll get $50 off your, your first consignment with us just listening to this podcast. And I'll put that link, uh, in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, you can just open your phone and click the link. Perfect. Let's get into talking about some cards. Most of the time, we're going to be talking about cards that are a fraction. But I, we were chatting before this. I was like, I'd be remiss not to bring up this card. And so as Nick and I are talking through it, I'm going to present a visual. And obviously, a majority of you are listening to this via podcast. So visuals uh, don't really do anything for you. But uh, we'll say that I'm sharing these videos in my Patreon group. So if you want to see these conversations via video, I've got a link in the show notes for that. But let's start here, Nick, with this card, which I wrote an article about this card in the group. And I honestly, dude, I couldn't believe this card was available via flashed into a PWCC weekly auction. And that is the 2018 Prism Gold Luka Doncic rookie out of 10 BGS 9. This card, and like this is not hyperbole, but like, 
there's not many modern, ultra modern over the last, you know, five to 10 years, basketball cards that I would consider grails. But this one based on this card being so significant when so many people came back in the hobby, pairing that with how phenomenal of a player Luca is. Like I couldn't believe this card was flashed in and it sold for 168K, which was um, quite a bit lower than its last sale. But I don't know, like when you see this, what's your commentary on this? Like big card. I don't want to say 168K is chump change, but (laughs) I think it's a lot lower than uh, probably people expected it. And just the way it came about, I I think it would be interesting to just maybe gather some of your perspective on it. Yeah, it's it was a super interesting sale for sure. So I think there's there's a lot of things to to pick apart here. And one is it gives you a really good taste of where the market, the high, the ultra high end market is today. For one, I, I do think this card would have performed better had it had the full run of of marketing before it listed, marketing while it listed, all, all that good stuff. If it was ran in the premier auction, it would have done a bigger number. But it's also pretty impressive that you could flash a card into auction with with almost no marketing and still sell it for almost $170,000. Like that's a pretty strong market when you consider the the variables of how this card came to market and and sold so quickly. Um like most people need a lot of time to prepare to spend $170,000. So so that means there was multiple buyers that could just within 5 days plan to spend $170,000 on a card. That's that's impressive. Um, but the other thing I think about is w- what a lot of people are probably wondering is why did this person flash this card into the weekly auction at all? And then why did they do it when they did it? And it's what, what I've, I've met a lot of different people in this hobby at all, all ends of the spectrum of the hobby. So I've seen some of the insides of the, the ultra higher end market and a lot of these people spending this much money on cards. And, and I don't know who bought this. So I have no idea this person's situation. I have no idea who sold this. So I don't know their situation. I'm just kind of speculating. But a lot of the people buying and selling these ultra high end cards of this value, they have a lot of money in a lot of places. They're, they're investing in real estate. They're investing in in whatever. And sometimes they just need this money for something else that they think is going to make them more money very quickly or or over the next several years. Um, so taking a big loss on this, they're thinking big picture is actually going to make them more money somewhere else. And th- I think it's I think it's important to to appreciate that and understand that um, because the six figure card market is is just a totally different card market than the sub Ten thousand dollar card market that the majority of us are playing in. So we we can't really look at this as an indicator of the card market. We can we can look at it as this is where the uh, six figure card market is. If you have to sell a card in a pinch in five days with no marketing, and I think it's a win for that market. But you know you can look at it as a when did this card sell for last and what did it sell for? Oh, it's, it's down, you know, 200% or whatever the math is. That's terrible. But yeah, if you really break it down, it's, it's not as bad as it looks on the surface. So adding the qualifiers is I'm excited about where these conversations are going to go, Nick, because like, I'm a big fan of just like avoiding these blanket statements that like you open up Instagram and like the sky is falling, but there's no context and there's no drill down. And so I love the way we're talking about these cards already. And so Let's let's move past the Luca and let's these this is this was this is like a really fun part because 
we just kind of got to pick some cards to talk about. So we've not rehearsed these. We've, we know each other's cards, but we're just going to dig in. So the first card, it's Luca. We're transitioning to Luca. And so I picked this card is the 2019 Panini one and one gold Luka Doncic out of 10 uh, PSA 10. Um, and I do have Luca on my mind a lot because he played against the Pacers last night. I watched the whole game. He's a phenomenal player. He scores effortlessly. I will say uh, the Pacers beat him by 22, which was also <laughs> awesome to see after snapping their seven game win streak, but I won't piss off any Luca fans or mass fans here. I do think he's a phenomenal player, but I picked this card because I have, I have really been fascinated even before I got into collecting Halliburton. I've always been fascinated by this Panini one in one product, which was new in 2019. So this is the first year. This is Luca's second year, but the first year of this product gold pop one PSA 10. I don't know, like these cards, the photography on these cards are gorgeous. This is like, if you're a Luca collector, I would imagine this is a card that, you know, is you're, you might be interested in. Um, I was looking at card ladder and this blew my mind. I literally had, I, I, I picked this card cause I was like, this is a cool card and I love this product. But the last sale was a BGS nine five in May of last year. And it sold for $8,400, which I thought I was like, holy shit. Like that's, that's a whole lot of money. So I don't know if the PSA 10 will like, you would think that it would be, you know, that or more, but it's a different market maybe than last year, but I know there was a retraction last year and this card still performed really well. So I don't know. I just think it's like a really, really cool card. I have like, I have zero idea whose card it is. Um, but this is just one I picked out. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts, reactions just based on this card set or anything about it? It's funny. Um, I made a list of like, you know, seven to 10 cards, like a, like a preliminary list. And then I narrowed it down. This card and one of the other cards you're going to talk about were both on my list. Uh, so, you know, first year Panini one product. I remember when this product came out and, and people were really excited about it when it came out, which I think means something. And then just when you like, it just feels like a premier product, like everything about the, the design of the card, the aesthetics of the card, it just feels like a higher end product. I think I, I don't know the details of how it's released, but I, I want to say it's pretty exclusive how it's released and, 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 um, Packaged, which I think adds to the kind of aura of the product. But I love Panini One and One. I know there's a lot of collectors that collect that product exclusively. And with this being the first year of that product and a PSA 10 pop one, I mean, that's, I think it checks a lot of boxes. It does. I'm excited to see where it goes for. And it does follow the no recent comps movement with uh, yeah. the last sale being in May. Um, the next card is a guy that. Dude, I just saw this card and I was just like, man, it was felt like yesterday that this card was like the card. And this yeah. is the 2019 Prism Kyler Murray Gold Prism out of 10 PSA 9. And I picked this card because I think one, like I there was a time where I had collected Kyler Murray, and two, like, you know, he's coming off the he came off the injury last year. Um, super exciting player. Uh, but he is like, no one is talking about Kyler Murray anymore, but everyone was talking about Kyler Murray 
like when he threw that game winning pass to Hopkins and all that. And so it feels like his sizzle has left us a little bit. But if you look at the tape, uh, in the five or six games he played last year, like he had some really, really good moments. And I would say like the Cardinals from a personnel perspective certainly uh, need some help, but are doing some real cool things defensively. And I don't know, like my thought on this and why I picked this was like, first it was like, man, I haven't seen that card in forever. Um, but second, like, I don't know if you, if you like Kyler Murray or still have some belief in him, my guess is because all the attention is on so many other players, it might be a pretty decent time to maybe pick up one of my favorite cards in his rookie catalog. I got a lot to say, man. This First off, I, I just want to highlight, I love that you call it tape. When you say check the tape, like it, it gets me so pumped because that's <laughs> like old school. Like when we were young, like you watched, you watched VHS tapes yeah. when you watched. Film. Like that's what he's referring to. We're, da- we're dating ourselves here, Nick. You're youngins, I don't know what tape is. Uh, it's uh, it's it's like uh, back when you watched tape, you had to like set up parking lot meetings with coaches to like exchange <laughs> actual VHS tapes. Uh, so a lot of nostalgia there for the for the word tape. Um, but I also think of early stacking slabs podcast. Man, you were a Kyler guy. Mm-hmm. He was your and I remember his silver prism PSA ten selling for like four grand or something at one point nuts yeah just because it was lower pop at the time which i had a i had i had a psa 10 and it was like a pop two at the time yeah there was there was like very low pop for a long time i'm sure it's climbed a lot since then but i know that you know couldn't have climbed that much but yeah i think this card just tells a really good story of the evolution of prospecting qbs like where where like just the different ranges the cards can go on and what happens when people give up on the player. And like you said, he was hurt last year and kind of in and out of the lineup the year before, if I remember right. So, so kind of that, a lot of that luster fell off, but I'm with you, man. Like if I was gambling on a quarterback going into the season, I think he's a super low risk, high reward gamble. Um, They have the number four pick. Yes. Good point. Marvin Harrison jr. Yeah. That speculation (laughs) is, Marvin Harrison or that uh that dude from LSU, I think it's Malik like neighbors or neighbors, something like that. Yeah. yeah, the the scouts are really high on him. So if they land either either of those two dudes, I think that instantly adds value to Kyler cards. And then, you know, who knows what they can do in the season. But if he stays healthy and you can get this card at a reasonable price, I mean, I, I haven't looked at his market lately. I don't know what what reasonable would be, but I'd rather gamble on a card like this than a, you know name your 2022-2023 quarterback gold prism going into next season. Part of us is collectors who, while I don't have a Kyler PC and I'm shooting myself in the foot by promoting this card that I don't even know who it is on my own podcast, but it's one I get the favorite on. I was like, once that Sunday rolls around, like if this card was at a certain range, it was like, I could see myself because it's, it's fun to like, for me, it's like I have a history with him. Um, as a matter of fact, that that PSA 10, I, I remember I bought it. For, it was my first deal with Josh Johnson, Cardboard Chronicles, which he's probably yeah. laughing listening to this about <laughs> how much I paid him at the time for the silver. Um, yeah, but you live, you learn. But yeah, this is a card I'll be following. And I, I think Kyler Murray, he's an exciting player. Um, and by the way, this was the second card that I also had on my list with that Luca. So we great minds think alike, man. Yes. And so the, the next card here and I was a selection and it's almost because it was like, 
it's relevant, but also at the same time, like I'm doing an episode. This is a teaser. If you're listening to this on Thursday, there's going to be an episode exclusively on Caitlin Clark on Friday. And so I was like, this makes sense to talk about this card, but it's the 2023 Bowman Chrome U orange refractor, Caitlin Clark out of 25 autograph prime signatures. You know, I don't ever remember in my lifetime, a woman's basketball player that has this kind of momentum. Like my dad texted me before the record breaking game where he said, Hey, Caitlin's going to be on, you know, in 10 minutes, make sure you watch. And I had it on my mind and I was busy with putting kids to bed and I was like, Oh, great reminder. And literally watched her like, you know, break the record in the first five minutes of the game. And then the way she broke the record and then like added incentive for me, it's like, I'm hoping like the Indiana fever have the first pick. So like, I'm hoping she comes out and I'm hoping she's here in my city because I've got two daughters and it would be so much fun to grow what introducing basketball to them with a player of Caitlin Clark's magnitude. So she's magnetic. She's incredible. Like, it seems like she's breaking ceilings and we're coming off of this, this massive super fracture one of one sale. Um, she had two. So this is a cool card on card auto. Um, but yeah, I just hyped up Caitlin Clark quite a bit. I don't know if you have any reactions Dude, I, or thoughts. I, I absolutely love it, man. And I didn't realize <clears throat> that the fever had, they had the number one pick. Yeah. After picking Aaliyah Boston last year at number one. So if they get Aaliyah Boston and Caitlin Clark, I mean, that's, exciting basketball here in Indiana. Oh man, I would love that. I'm five hours away from Indiana. So I would, I would be a regular, I, like I told you, my mom was there. So that would be huge, man. And we share a similar uh, feeling about this because we both have two daughters, two young daughters. Like you start to get more excited about women's sports than maybe you normally would once you have daughters. And then player that is as magnetic as Caitlin Clark, it doesn't matter if I had daughters or not, I would be excited about her. She reminds me of Steph Curry at Davidson. Like it feels like the same, like who in the heck is this kid and how is he doing this? How is she doing this? And it just makes you wonder what they're going to do at the next level. I think Caitlin Clark's probably more of a sure thing at the next level than people thought Steph was. Like a lot of people didn't think Steph was going to be much in the NBA. And here he is as, as one of the best to ever do it. But that same type of vibe, of her in that, that aura of her as, as Steph, when he was at Davidson. And one thing about this card, I didn't even, I haven't looked at this card very closely, but the, the Bowman like true autos are all stickers. So mm. the football products the same way, I think the college basketball might be the same way too, but it makes some of the inserts a little more intriguing because I think all the insert autos are on card like this one. So something to think about if, if you're really into the auto uh, part of the card is, you know, not all or the uh, the base and the trues are not on card. They're stickers. So, well, and one thing I'll say too, uh, I did a, a searching card ladder of I know the the card that made the headlines is the seventy eight k two thousand twenty two Bowman University Super Auto one of one. But like I did a filter, and the filter was like I wanted to see what her cards were doing post the sale, and there was a card her Bowman's best. Superfractor sold a PWCC premiere shortly after that for 16.5 and a PSA 9. So like her stuff is performing very well right now. Obviously, like she just broke the record and I was there. There are tournaments coming around the corner, but 
I don't know. This is, these are these moments. And I feel like this with cards a lot is like, people don't forget these moments. So if her cards take a dip for a little bit, like, I don't know, to me, these things, these types of uh, players, like they'll never be forgotten. So I'm, I'm excited about just what her cards are doing. And I, like I mentioned, I hope she's playing basketball here in Indianapolis. I have, I have a question on this. So I'm thinking about this. I feel like for women's basketball, college basketball is this is a guess. It's just a feeling. College basketball is probably more followed than WNBA, maybe, especially if you compare college men's basketball to the NBA. Yeah. NBA is, is way up here and college basketball is like here, whereas women's is probably pretty close and college might even actually have had the edge. So I think these Bowman Chrome cards of Caitlin Clark, I think they're going to hold value and they might be the cards that people will want of her long term because like you said, they're going to connect those moments to Iowa. Whereas a lot of people, honestly, they might not ever watch her in the WNBA. I think of the Sabrina Ionesco or however you say her last name. When she was at Oregon, like everybody was watching her and, and I bet a lot of collectors have no idea what she's doing in the WNBA. Not to disrespect her career, she's actually crushing it. Um, and she's a blast to watch. Like, there's there's like ten players in the WNBA that I like love watching. She's on that list. I, I think about these Bowman Chrome U cards a lot, and if are they going to matter long term? And I'm not for sure, but I think these will. And I really like the product. I've been buying some football myself, and the college basketball ones are really cool. So something to think about. I'm curious to follow that. Yeah, and part of the reason, and I'll plug it one more time, on Friday I'll be talking with uh, Caitlin at Cold Lunch Cards about Caitlin. So it's a Caitlin on Caitlin episode. But part of these, Nick, are questions that I'm trying to gather as well. Um, Let's move over to a card you had, which looks like it just got a bit maybe. The the 2018 Flawless Canary Yellow Diamond Josh Allen, rookie auto out of three, BGS 9.5. Talk to me about this card. So in September of last year, I actually helped bring in all three of these, like the run of these, all three of the Canary Yellow Diamond autos to the premier auction at PWCC. Um, so I would, I just want, it's interesting to follow these sell the second time around. In the first mm. time around, what happened, and this happens a decent amount. The seller wanted to sell all three of these together. They, they felt like they would get the most value selling all three of them together. It's, it's a, it's a common um, assumption. Most of the time though, breaking these up and selling them individually actually will net you more money because you, you, you get a bigger buyer pool for one card than you do for, for the, the, the whole run of a card, right? Like not everybody wants all three of these, but more people than that might want one of these just something to consider, but also the the buyer side of this, I have to have a lot of hard conversations where people might think their cards are going to do something, go up in value to a certain amount. And I have to uh, give my perspective and it's all to protect them. It's all in good faith and, and uh, the intentions are, are, are to benefit them. But the buyer of these a while back, Josh Allen was his guy that was going to win MVPs and Super Bowls. And I said, the, the odds of that happening are very slim. I think your best bet, you got a good value on buying all three of these. I would break them up going into the playoffs, sell them individually. He, he did not do that, which it, it's, it's great. He collected them and he enjoyed them. He, he loves Josh Allen. I'm, I'm happy he kept them. But 
This is number two out of three. Number three out of three sold last week for 5,500-ish, I think. The set of three sold for 36,000 last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this rate, they're going to sell individually for about half, half of what they were bought for you know, a year and a half ago. So just to illustrate like what can happen when you prospect on a QB, taking the money when, when you can versus uh, projecting um, things that are, that are really hard to happen, right? Like being the next Mahomes is a lot less likely to happen than being the next guy that didn't win any Super Bowls or any MVP. Josh Allen is an, an excellent player, and I would not be shocked if he did win MVPs and Super Bowls, but if you're betting – your safer bet is betting that that won't happen. So just something, you know, it's interesting for me to, to watch these come full circle and, and see, you know, how the market responds to them now. I love it. Only thing I'll say on it, what I love about this card is if you look at Josh Allen on this card and you look deep into his eyes, he has an expression on his <laughs> face. And this expression to me is very telling for what's about to come. If I were to interpret what was happening on this play, I think it was a pass play, but the men are covered. And it's a moment where Josh Allen yeah. is getting ready to tuck the ball and do what Allen <laughs> does, and that's run. And so I'm a big Josh Allen fan. I love watching him play. Part of the reason why is he reminds me so much of one of my favorite players, and that's Andrew Luck. So I'm always cheering for him. And I don't know, like I haven't looked at his market but it seems like if you've been interested in getting into Josh Allen cards now might be a good time. For sure. And I think these are good value. Those are the second most rare auto parallel from that set outside of the Platinum 101. So, I mean, it's super rare on-card rookie auto. Like, it's it's a great card. All right. We're going to transition to uh, the league's MVP. And this is the 2018 <clears throat> Panini Prism, Lamar Jackson Silver Prism. And all I'm going to say about this card is – this is what I know about 2018 condition sensitivity. And I remember the limitation of the silver prism within the 2018, uh, Mm -hmm. because you've got Josh Allen, you've got Lamar Jackson. I just remember that being a thing, but this is a card you picked. Why do you want to talk about it? Yeah, that's a big reason. I think I I just want to point out that I think there's some, you know, base refractor parallels or silver prisms have kind of, kind of been crapped on the last couple of years, right? They're not, they're not rare enough. You see them too often. Like they're talked about too often. I think 2018 silver prisms from football could be the exception to that rule. Um, now and term. like you said, they're one of the, the, the most condition sensitive, but they're, they're just rare. Um, like 2017 football was the year where the, the silver was the base, right? Some people just say there was no silver, it was the base or the base was the silver, whatever. There wasn't two, there wasn't a parallel to the base. That was a, just a silver prism, right? If that makes sense. So there was a lot more of those. You go back to 2016. I looked at the DAC silver prism. I think there was like 2,100 of them graded this 2018 Lamar silver prism. There's, I looked at card ladder for the total, total pot between PSA, BGS, and SGC. There's 191 total graded. If you click the 28 pop there, yeah, yeah, the PSA 10, it says 28 pop. Yeah, there's 191 graded between PSA, BGS, and SGC, and there's only 28 PSA 10s of this car. So, like, at this point, six years later, I doubt there's many more that are going to pop up as PSA 10s. It sells for, like, you see a couple sales there that are like 2,500, 2,000 in the last couple of weeks. 
it was selling for 3K January 12th, which would have been like right before they played their first playoff game. So there was a little bit more kind of uh, excitement about Lamar at that point. But I mean, this guy just won his second MVP, the youngest in the league to win two, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's uh, accurate. Yeah. Youngest ever to win two MVPs. Um, I know the playoff success hasn't been there, but like who's had playoff success against Patrick Mahomes? Um, I, I can't really knock him for that. I mean, there, there's there's levels there's levels to it, and you have to take your lumps. Mahomes took his lumps early. You know, I wouldn't give up on Lamar just yet. I think there's more to come from him, especially if he can stay healthy. And at a value comparison, when you compare him to to Josh Allen, to to Burrow, to Herbert, who also who actually all have less accolades than him. I mean, I'm taking Lamar's value over them all day, but just some things that stuck out to me. And I, I just think this 2018 silver prism from football can be a rare card, an important card long-term. We're going to move off of this, but am I crazy to, th- I, I feel like sure. I was like racking my brain. Was it two silvers per hobby box in 2018? Yeah, I think it was. Now that you say that, I think it yeah. was. And I didn't even we- mention the Josh Allen of this PSA 10 just sold for 15 K. <laughs> that, that's like 5x what this Lamar sells for. And the pop is 26 versus 28. It's not much difference, but. That's insane. Some fun cards. So let's move over. Uh, we're going to run through five cards that came in directly to you. So you're going to have some intimate knowledge about these cards. And we're going to start here with the 1998 Bowman's Best Atomic Refractor Kobe Bryant out of 100. Jim Mint PSA 10. Just uh, I'm looking at this card, and if you're in the Patreon group, you're able to see it. This is just a gorgeous card, but uh, talk to me about this one. I mean, you nailed it, dude. Everybody that looks at this card says the same thing. And if you if you have held it in hand, like it's one of those cards you could just sit at and turn back and forth for like hours, just mesmerized by the uh, the crackle of the cracked ice design and the shine of the card. I mean, like it's it's seriously one of my favorite cards to to look at in person. OG cracked ice. It is the OG cracked ice. Like today's <laughs> cracked ice. Like I hope I hope you you younger guys acknowledge this. Today's cracked ice does not exist without this exact parallel. Like this parallel created today's cracked ice. So so I mean it it's so important. And the collectors of this card know that, and that's that's why it is important. It's serial number to 100. Bowman's best had an atomic refractor in 96 and 97, um, but it was more of the pulsar look. And it wasn't, I don't think they were numbered. I don't think either year was numbered. So this is the first year they numbered the atomic. Um, and then they switched to the cracked ice design. 99 that did not have the cracked ice design. So it's it's unique. It was, I think it was the only year of the Bowman's best atomic with the cracked ice design. So like, it checks so many boxes of just a super important and unique parallel. And so early in Kobe's career, I mean, it's, it's just a super important card. And uh, I think there's 13 PSA 10s, but I don't think a PSA 10 is sold for seven months. I think it was July, 2023. So it's been a while. This would be a no recent comps card. Um, but I mean, whether you're a Kobe fan or, or whoever, if you have your favorite player that has a 98 Bowman's best atomic in any sport, like buy it. I mean, even if it's a low grade, just buy it so you can admire uh, the design of the card and, and the importance of the card. No, this one's a sh- this one's a sharp card for sure. Um, and I would imagine is a piece that any Kobe collector or just fan of basketball uh, is probably eyeing. The next one I'm 
really excited to talk about. And this is the looks like it's getting some traction based on the last time I looked at it. But this is the 2018 yeah. Prism Gold Vinyl Tom Brady PSA 9. Um, man, let me just some some notes here for me. So this card, we're talking about another 2018 card. I'm a Prism simp. Everyone knows that who listens to my stuff. And I just think about the Prism flagship brand, and I think about the premium parallels from Prism. And I think when you think about football, think about Black Finite, you think about the Golds, and then I there is such an audience for the Gold Vinyl. And I was doing some, uh, I can do elementary math, Nick, and I was just thinking about it. 2015 is when the Gold Vinyl was introduced, you know, up until 22. So that's seven years, 35 total gold vinyl Tom Brady cards. Not a lot. Uh, opportunity to to pick one up here. I haven't been looking at the Brady market, you know, day to day. I would imagine just based on where it's been, it's maybe down a little bit. But greatest of all time, one of the greatest parallels in ultra modern football. This one to me as a fan of football cards holds a lot of weight. What say you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's a super important Panini card, and breaking that down even further, Brady in a Pats uniform, which is 2015 through 2019. So you got 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. You got 25 where he's just in a Pats uniform, right? 20, 20, 21, 22, or whatever. We're all uh, Bucks uniforms, which which are significant too. But I would imagine there's a lot more Pats uniform collectors than Bucks uniform collectors. So. A super important card. I love the design, right? It has that super fractor design, but I also love that Panini didn't make this the one-on-one. Like they know like the super fractor from pre-Panini is the one-on-one, right? They did make it the one-on-one for like Contenders Optic and some other stuff, but for the Prism staple product, they made it out of five, which I think I think it makes the card more unique that it's, it's not just totally a ripoff of the super fractor. They, they borrowed... The amazing design, but but made it out of five, so it's a little more attainable, but still super rare. So I do appreciate that. This card, like I was looking at the sales history of all the patch uniform Brady gold vinyls, and it's it's fun to see which years hit the market the most. It kind of gives you a little bit of insight into which years might be more desirable. Because um, right, they're all gold vinyls out of five. They're just different years, but collectors have different attachments to different years. So I like to look at the sales history of each year. This one was, is the third least transacted of the, of the five. So only the 2016, which is only sold one time. And then the 2017 is only sold three times. Those are the only that have sold in any condition less than this, this one. Um, so that to me, that says this one is a fairly desirable uh, year of the gold vinyl. Um, this one hasn't sold since 2022, November, 2022 was a PSA 10 that sold back then the 2019 sold recently for like 9,000, I think. Um, and that one's the most transacted, uh, Brady Pat's uniform gold vinyl. It sold like 13 times. So to me, that says that's the least desirable. Um, if I had to guess, and it's still selling for, for nine K. So again, a card that's just not going to pop up often. And then, then one last thing, we don't have to get into the details of it, but there's, People and I think it's an interesting theory that think the rise of Mahomes will just continue to bump Brady's uh, a mystique and aura and, and potential collectability where otherwise he might not be necessarily relevant right now when when he's you know freshly retired. So I think that's something interesting. I think that's a unique play on on Mahomes' success is 
keep an eye on Brady's market and maybe pick some opportunities there. I can feel the Brady collecting communities. I can feel all their eyes on this one because I, it had my attention. I'm sure it has theirs. This one, I was telling you before we hit record, I yesterday was scrolling through the auctions for that end for this week before last week's had finished. And I saw this card like on page one or page two and. I had a look at it for a little bit because number one, like the nostalgia factor of just seeing this player in the gear he's in taking the swing, um, but then just iconic parallel. And then it it was already per- performing very strongly or I perceived strongly based on no research, but this is the 98 Skybox EX 2001 essential credentials futures, Frank Thomas at a 93 PSA 10, which Pop three, you just don't see PSA 10 essential credentials. 98's a lot. So this one's coming through you. What what do you have to talk about with this one? I mean, first look at those guns, man. Like is he flexing <laughs> right there? Like the ball that he just hit at no chance. Like Dude, look at look at the big hurt in action well, right there. Well, I I'm just like he looks exactly like he does in the Nugenics commercials today. So like you were talking about selling a product, like buy some Nugenics, man. You're gonna look great. <laughs> Nugenics plug. I love it, man. Yeah. Uh but no, the card, I mean the card is special. Like like he said, this is a pop three PSA ten. Um, so it's super, uh, rare in this condition in its own right, but we haven't seen a PSA 10 of this card sell since December of 2014. So nine plus years, uh, that we've seen a PSA 10 of this card sell. So to me, uh, that just, you know, that's the difference between rarity, which there's 93 copies of this card and scarcity, right? Like the PSA 10 just never surfaces. Um, so, so people that buy this card, they, they hold on to it because they know how, how valuable it is and how scarce it is. Um, the last copy of this card was a raw to sell publicly and it did 1900. Um, that would have been, and that was June of 2022. So we haven't seen any copies of this card sell in a year and a half. I mean, in any condition. So that again, just, just tells you how desirable and collectible this card is. People want to, people want to hold on to this card when they buy it. So um, the price, yeah, I think this has potential to do a really big number. It's already at, at fifty two fifty before the buyer's premium. So, I mean, that's a really respectable number comparing it to the rest of the market. Like <clears throat> when you look at nineties baseball, like it starts with Griffey. Um, and then there's, there's bonds and Jeter usually up there too. <clears throat> Frank Thomas is probably, you know, arguably next on that list in terms of the most collected player, I would say, but this card is the least transacted out of bonds, Griffey and Jeter this is the Frank Thomas is by far less transacted than, than all of those guys. We've only seen 18 of these Thomas credential futures in any condition. sell publicly since 2008. So 16 years, we've only seen 18 copies surface. So, I mean, again, that just hammers the point. Like when people get this card, they don't want to let it go. So um, I think that that speaks to the card itself. And I think like just with it being a a low pop PSA 10, I think it's, it's a card that could get nutty at the end. I think listening to you talk and think through this, it's, he was playing at the same time Jordan was playing and you just think about Chicago sports and you think about that market. And I don't think Frank Thomas would be the first 
like top five ish player to come to my mind when I think about nineties baseball and value. Of course I think of Griffey first, but it just, as I'm thinking through Thomas and his impact on me as a kid and where he played, like in his overall collectability and an iconic parallel, like central credentials, it makes a lot of sense why this card is getting the traction that it's getting. We've got two more cards. Let's move over to, Oh, Geez, making my making my knees weak here. Uh, not not a card you see every day. And this is yeah. the '98 playoff contenders Peyton Manning <laughs> ticket gold. And this is the non-auto but serial stamp to 25. So you can visualize the the rookie ticket. You can all visualize that auto. But I don't know if you have seen this version because it doesn't pop up too often. Mm-hmm. So what do you got to say about it? Yeah, I mean, there's only 25 copies. So this card is super important. Obviously, it's a Peyton Manning rookie. It's a contender's ticket, but it is the first year of contender's tickets, 1998. So the set itself is super important. That year, people correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the ticket, you know, I want to say these were all uh, like inserts. Like, I don't think they had a base in parallels in the 98 contender set. I think it was just a ton of inserts. Like, they had, so many different inserts, like the pennants and the, all these different crazy inserts in 98 contenders. Um, so the way it was was released and packaged was unique. The base insert of this insert set was, I think only the rookies were autographed and they released the print runs, which I don't remember Manning's, but it's super low, like two, 250 maybe. Something um, like that, yeah. yeah, something like that. But then they had a, this gold ticket and then they had a red ticket. And I believe neither of those were pack issued, uh, pack pulled autos. Like if you see an auto of this card, I'm pretty sure it was an aftermarket auto. Um, I don't think they had autos coming out of the packs. Um, so this card is actually, in my opinion, more desirable than the auto version of this card that you might see, because this is how it came out of the pack. Um, and they're super condition sensitive. Like the gold foil there is always like chipping and stuff. Um, you can actually look, I don't know if you have time to bring it up, but if you look at the last sale, if you type this in the 98 contenders, uh, Manning gold, you should see an, the last sale. It was an aftermarket auto. Let me see here. Yeah. You might have to type in auto, but I know it gets a little weird how they, depends how they list it. But anyways, it was like a BGS authentic. Um, and the card was just annihilated. Like it just shows you how bad some of these, yeah, they, I think that's it right there, that top one. And if you click on the actual image, like, look at that. Look at that top edge. Like, you can actually see a crease in the middle. Like, the gold foil is just totally fading. That gives you... Dude, a this, this pains me that someone got this card signed. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, they're like, I got to add something to this card because uh. it's rough right now. Um, but that card sold for $4,800 because people know what that card is. And then I'm sure they appreciated the auto. And of course... Classic Manning, it got a nine auto, which is actually good for Peyton because his, sure. his back then were not strong. Um, but that just gives you an illustration of what that the condition of that card is oftentimes. And um, there's only, I think there's only a couple of these in the pop report. This is a PSA 7, but there's only one higher. And I think it's a PSA 9. Um, but I think there's only like a handful of these even graded. So it's a super scarce card. The last time this card sold, the non-auto, again, they weren't pack-pulled autos. So those autos were aftermarket autos. The last time this card sold was in 2021, and it was this exact copy. So it's been two and a half years since we saw a copy of this card sale. 
Um, so like I said, first, first set of contenders, it's Manning, like football and the rookie ticket, they go hand in hand. So I, I just think it's a super important card for, for football collectors and Manning collectors. I'm excited to see where this one goes. We've got one more, Nick. And how about closing it out with Iron Freaking Mike? This is his 1986 Panini Supersport Italian Boxing Tyson PSA 8. What can you share about Let me just put it, anytime we want to talk about Mike Tyson on this podcast, I'm all for it. Just a instrumental figure in childhood, and he has to translation over to professional wrestling. So Mm -hmm. what what do you got to say about this one? Yeah, so this is his his established rookie card. Um, Again, I'm not a a boxing collector. I I don't know a ton about the Tyson market. I don't know a ton about the boxing market. But I know if you pull most – collectors right now and you say who who are your favorite boxers of all time whether they watch boxing or not i guarantee tyson is in the top three i'm sure ali is up there it's probably ali and tyson one and two on on the majority of people's lists so like i think that's important for his card market the fact that he's just so recognized worldwide and globally and and and, um you know in this country i think is important in this card i did a little bit of research the way it was released um makes it unique in its own right like this is a sticker and it was released um it says italian there on the on the label it was only released in italy so like the access to that for american collectors was was very limited and then they they just came out of packs in in rough condition like the glue would dry and 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 like pull stickers off and and move cards around in the packs like the edges and corners were really flimsy so Getting a PSA eight of this, and this is like a twenty five hundred dollar card. Like it's sold recently, a different copy. But it's an affordable card, in my opinion, for one of the best athletes of our generation. Like, I mean, everybody knows Tyson. So you know, just just something different than what you see out there: basketball, baseball, football, even hockey. Uh, I just think a lot of people would look at this card and get excited. I love it. I think this is. Uh... Not something you necessarily see anyone talk about or see it every day, but I think Iron Mike, especially in our generation of collectors, will forever be in our hearts and minds. Nick, we went a little Broadway today. We had a lot of ground to cover introducing the just the new series and then talking through the cards, but I'm excited about just the future. We're going to be doing this every week, every Thursday. If you're listening, to, if you're subscribed to this feed, you'll get this conversation but yeah, man, I'm excited to see where these end up and I'm excited uh, for the future of these conversations. People can reach you at the Wharf Sports Cards on Instagram or visit the website um, and we'll link out everything that we talked about here in the show notes. Uh, anything else you want to comment on before we get out of here? No, man, I'm, I appreciate you uh, having me on. I'm looking forward to doing this every week. It was a lot of fun. Um, hopefully people get some value out of our perspectives on these cards and kind of why they grabbed our attention. Um, and yeah, just, just check out the website, check out my Instagram at the Wolf Sports Cards, um, website is the warsportscards.com. And like I said, it, anybody that has never consigned with us and listens to this podcast, giving you $50 off your first consignment. If you, uh, fill out the form on the website when you submit and then just enter the promo code stacking 50 and the $50 off, like we'll just take our normal consignment rates and then just pay you an extra $50, uh, when we pay you out. So super simple there. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Nick, looking forward to doing this again next week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Look forward to it. Always enjoy talking cards with Nick. 
Hopefully you're excited about this additional day on the main feed of the Stacking Slabs podcast. I'm really getting amped up because I'm recording this right after that got done. A lot of cool cards on a weekly basis, and we're trying to bring awareness to them and share a little bit more about why we think collecting sports cards is the best escape known to mankind. You take care of yourself, take care of others around you. More stacking slabs on the other side. 